It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Larry H. Russell, host of Celtics Beat and author of Fall of the Boston Celtics. Thank you yet again for downloading the number one podcast on the web, which covers the NBA's winningest franchise, Celtics Beat. CLNS Radio truly values your patrons because of your loyalty to making Celtics Beat the most downloaded weekly Celtics podcast online. We would love to offer a free copy of my critically acclaimed book available at clnsradio.com slash book. That's clnsradio.com slash book. Happy reading and enjoy today's broadcast. Today is Sunday, October 30th, 2016. This is Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio, and I am Larry H. Russell, off and running here in this 2017 NBA campaign. First week of the season in the books, three down, 79 to go. Hopefully, two down, 58 to go in the win column. At least make me look like I know what I'm talking about. Drive for 60, is it on? Uh, I already felt a little wary of that prediction. After Thursday's game on TNT, seeing the Celts get beat as badly as they did on the boards out in Chicago. But a big bounce-back win for Boston last night down at the Hive. Celtics 104, Hornets 98. Avery Bradley, the high man with 31 points. Boston is now 2-1 on this young season. And they're actually off for a few days back in action in an early season revenge matchup with the Bulls at the TD Garden all the way on Wednesday. But still, a lot to digest from these past four and a half, uh, five days. And... Of course, we will do so. What do you think we're here for? One of our everyday Eddies in the bullpen, too. Chris Forsberg, Boston Celtics Beat reporter for ESPN. Coming up on episode number 181 of Celtics Beat, which this week is being brought to you by Audible. Unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more. Get a free audiobook with a 30-day trial at www.audible.com forward slash try now. Audible.com forward slash try now. And, of course, American Network.com. I want to get Chris here right away. Uh, that is still the game plan, so we'll let him take his time here to get things sorted out on his end. By the way, late release today. Yes, totally aware. Some have reached out to me personally. I did leave a few notes on my personal Twitter, at CLNS underscore LHR, as well as the Celtics Beat Facebook page, facebook.com slash Celtics Beat, also CLNSradio.com. We put up a post to update those in the later release for those uh, who start off their Sunday, and I mean with us right away, right? Starting off with this show right away. It's still very early here on Sunday morning. But yes, I appreciate those who tried to get, uh, I try to get back as, as much as you as, as possible. But, but for those personally reaching out to me at this early hour here on this Sunday AM, we did have updates on my Twitter at CLNS underscore LHR and the Celtics Beat Facebook page. 
for those who want to keep up with the show as is on a week-to-week basis. But uh, yes, we admit we had to make an adjustment this week. We're coming out a few hours late. But here we are on this final Sunday of October, and while you can only take away so much of three games, very small sample size, first three games of the season, no less, let alone any three games, but that is what we have before us. And for those of you with emotional interest in the Boston Celtics, I would say that is almost all of you listening, almost, I'd say so far, so good on the returns. My big fears heading into the season, rebounding and bench play. We've seen those warts show up at times. Uh, They have certainly reared their ugly heads. Obviously, uh, (laughs) the rebounding on Thursday was, in the words of Bill Belichick, not what we were looking for. Uh, Listen, uh, it it is a big problem, I think, when there's not one plus rebounder for their position on this team. It's just the facts. In fact, the only guy I'd say who's average, Amir Johnson... He's someone come January. I don't even want to see. Uh, he so uh, the Celtics had a nice little bounce back last night. They actually rebounded, out rebounded the Hornets forty-two to thirty-eight. But that was, of course, after an outright punking that single-handedly cost them the game earlier. So Celts responded. Got to give the team that. But that was after a very early wake-up call. One would like to think going forward they would not need such motivation to rebound on a night-to-night basis. So. This is something I think that we're going to need about 20 games under our belt to really use, uh, to, to see. Because, yes, last night, very encouraging in that aspect. But again, that was after having all the motivation in the world, in which the, speaking of the world, the whole world saw how bad Boston was in the glass on Thursday. But the other that, that concerned me going into the year, and this is what I highlighted the bench, early returns there, come see, come saw. Last night, it really wasn't good at all. Starters dominated. Bench left the Charlotte back in the game. Reinsert the starters. They dominated again. Key stretch there, of course, uh, uh, was Avery Bradley playing by himself with the bench in the fourth. He really lit up Charlotte. He lit up Charlotte all night. But that that really, uh, Charlotte allowing Boston to retake the lead and then control of the game. But the bench, yes, they are missing two key players. Two very important players. But for one, Kelly Olenek. It is my hope that, obviously, he returns to even 80% of what he was last January and February. But let's say he does. For this show's purpose, he does. It is my hope that he's the team's starting center in January. Relegating Amir Johnson to, to not just the bench, but the back of the bench. Waterboy, towel waver, high fiver. I'll be nice. Veteran presence. But I've seen enough there. Amir Johnson, I think uh, he's reached his expiration date in this league. The Celts were lucky to get what they did out of him last year. He's a good guy for the locker room, but that's about it. The miles and the injuries, I think, have caught up to him. Yes, it is three games, but this is kind of... Sometimes it it can come kind of quick in, in, in that I, I, I can safely say, Dunzo. So back to the bench. You hope Olenek starts... Plays alongside Al Horford, which is what Horford wanted. He talked about that over the summer numerous times with the media. So Amir goes to the end of the bench, doesn't warrant any playing time whatsoever. So that really doesn't help at all. You have Olenek in the starting lineup. Then Smart, he returns. I'm interested to see how he's going to mesh with Terry Rozier. Smart's always been a net positive, especially last year when he's on the floor. The Celts have, I'm not sure, by coincidence, they usually outscore their opponents, which is good, which is what you want in basketball and actually what you want in sports. 
But Smart and Rozier, they didn't really fit well together in the preseason. The lineup data showed it. Yes, preseason. Yes, a few games. But even the eye tests, it's, they're somewhat redundant players. Or in, they both, maybe a little less, Rozier can is certainly play off, off the ball from what we've seen. But preseason did not have the best returns when those two were paired together in the backcourt. So I, I don't know. It's a bit of a question mark on, on how they're going to fit together. So actually, speaking of Rozier, he's been... Okay, certainly not great last night. It was probably his worst game thus far in, in these three games this year. Jalen Brown, okay. Uh, I don't know what he was doing in the late in the game Thursday. I know he had a nice little stretch there against the Bulls. Played a little better than I would expect because I'm actually not expecting much of him this year. Tyler Zeller, okay. Very good on opening night. There's really been no real standouts on the bench thus far. Yes, all of three games, I know. But this is how I really looked at uh, the opening week, I, I identify the fears that I've had, and for me, it's two. I'm hoping that the Celtics get one of those to really work out, either rebounding or the bench. But the two fears that I've had for this team, highlight it, watch it closely early on, and, and that's what I've done, and, and there's been a lot of good, of course, there's a lot. The starting unit, especially last night, dominating the Hornets again, and I say again because, yes, I'm going to count the preseason when they dominated Charlotte in a third-quarter matchup down in mid-October down there as well, but starting unit, ball movement, half-court offense, oh my goodness, wow, Celtics, uh, 24 more assists last night on 81 shots, they actually rank fifth in the league in that category, so that's good, and uh, Avery Bradley, Avery Bradley, Avery Bradley, has he made more improvements, I hope, I hope, especially offense, he seems a lot more fluid, returns there, good, uh, anyways, I do not want to go on forever here, we we do have a guest, and as stated, late show this week, we're having some early difficulties, and we're having a little trouble getting Chris on the line with us right now. I want to give him another minute here as he tries to jump on with us. I, I see him there with me, but uh, so I'm actually going to use this opportunity, of course, reminder, win two tickets to the Celtics-Pistons game in Boston on November 30th. That looks like a really good one at this point. Enter, subscribe, rate, and review Celtics Beat on iTunes. Subscribe, rate, and review Celtics Beat on iTunes. That is a big help to us there. I ask for it every week. It obviously helps us improve the show greatly. We would love to hear everyone's appraisal of what we do here week in and week out. We hope it's great. But it's also just a real big help to us to continue to do shows here on a week in and week out basis and, and help us get great guests. So even if you don't live in the Boston area, and you may not want to go, it is still a, a huge help to us to, to just subscribe, rate, and review Celtics Beat on iTunes. As stated, it really helps increase our exposure, which, of course, it allows us to do even more than what we do as of now. I know on my end, October and November, I'm a little scrunched personally in the pregame show these last few weeks. Many of you have, have asked what happened in the guest segment on the pregame shows. I've been saying it's going to begin after Thanksgiving. So after Thanksgiving, we will have a guest from the opposing side on every show. Also, too, one real quick thing on the, on the pregame show. I've had a few other things. Where's the pregame show this year? It's not on the postgame show feed. It's on Celtics News Feed. So search for Celtics News Feed on iTunes. But guests will return to the pregame show after Thanksgiving. That is a promise. As soon as my schedule lightens up, just a teeny, teeny wee bit. Uh, but right now, juggling a few too many things. So it, it, it's a big help, big favor. Anything you can do to support Celtics Speed and CLNS Radio, and it will greatly help our product. So, yes, just a simple rating and review of Celtics Speed on iTunes. That's a big hand for us. Uh, okay, so uh, speaking of giving people's hands, I'm actually going to have to uh, – it's Chris Forsberg of ESPN. I'm going to have to step aside to sort this out. So let's take hopefully a very, very quick break. 
And when we come back, we should have Chris with us. So hang loose here. Uh, Listening, of course, Celtic Speed on CLS Radio. All animals deserve humane treatment. So vote yes on question three, a moderate measure ensuring farm animals have enough space to turn around and extend their limbs. Endorsed by the Boston Globe and MSPCA, yes on three, for safer food and to prevent the cruelty. Vote yes on three, paid for by Citizens for Farm Animal Protection. I just want to take a moment to talk to you about Movement Watches. Movement Watches, if you haven't heard of this company, it started by two broke college kids that wanted to wear stylish watches but couldn't afford them. So what did they do? They started their own company. Guys after my own heart, that's for sure. I love young entrepreneurs. As you know, CLNS Radio was founded by a bunch of Celtics fans way back in 2009, and from there we started a a company that made a career out of it, so we can absolutely relate to the owners of Movement Watches. And let me tell you, I purchased the Chrono Gunmetal Watch. This watch is so sleek, so cool, black stainless steel, it's light, it's versatile, it's great for dress occasions... Or even casual affairs. A little bit more about movement watches. They start at $95. I purchased the Chrome Gunmetal watch for under $100. And I know with the watch I purchased, you're looking at $400 to $500 in a department store. So give yourself a big discount off a watch right in time for the holidays. You can get 15% off today with free shipping. And if you don't like the watch, guess what? You can return it for free. All you have to do is go to Movement watches.com slash Celtics beat. Wait a second. Even the name is cool. It's spelled www.mvmtwatches.com slash Celtics beat. Now is the time to step up your watch game, folks. And I can tell you, since I got the Chrono Gunmetal watch, I've been getting complimented left and right. Get your 15% off. Get your free shipping. No risk involved. You can return the watch if you don't like it. And you're also supporting Celtics Beat Podcast and CLNS Radio. Again, go to mvmtwatches.com slash Celtics Beat. Okay, here we go. We are back here with Chris Forsberg, Celtics Beat reporter for ESPN. Chris, good morning. Good morning, Larry. What's going on? Celtics. That's why I'm doing this show, right? That's the only reason why I'm speaking to you. I think I was asking you how you're doing. Good game last night. It was. And, you know, like crazy, and I'm sure we'll discuss Avery Bradley here a ton, but he's the youngest starter on the team. Like, I, I, it blows my mind. Everyone, we, we're sitting there in training camp and we're busting he's Avery's chops being starter? the starter? Yeah. Isn't, what about isn't Isaiah that, Thomas? What about Jay Crowder? 27. 26. Avery's only 25. Really? You know, he came in the <laughs> league at 19. Yeah, so 19 plus 7. He's probably just turned 22. Was he turning 26 this year? He's turn, turn, he'll turn 26 in November. But, like, so it, get this. He's only five months older than Kelly Olenek. Like, know, he came in the league at, very young. Yep. Go ahead. It, so I know. I know. Like, listen, he, he was here at 19, and, and but, you know, he kind of distinguished himself by 20. I think we sit there and say that, you know, there's he's probably – when we have this idea that when guys get to the seventh year in the league, they they can't make big jumps anymore. That's pretty much their and I'm not saying That's their climax. Yeah. You start declining right, and, of anything. Right. I'm – I'm not think I'm not saying Avery's going to continue. I'm not saying he's going to score 31 points a night or 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 that there's another level he can get to. Uh, but you see these offensive bl- uh, blips and like you know you think wow, you know if, if he could maintain that, could he be? I, I'm not going to say an All Star level because that's going to be tough. But it, if if this team opens up the offense like it can with with Horford out there and Avery makes these threes even at a a 40 percent rate, 
that's really a weapon for this team, and it, it, it was neat to see it kind of bear out yesterday. It's amazing how he continues to make improvements actually at this age. You mentioned seventh in the league. Usually players nowadays, they're done pretty much honing their games around fourth or fifth year in the league. But actually, that was really what I was going to get at you is how much I, I talked about it in the, when I was opening. And you, I don't know if you were hearing me because you were having some technical difficulties there. I talked about the op- how much he continues to improve his game at, at this stage of his career. Because like I just said earlier, seventh year in the league is usually the absolute peak of your career. It, it, so it makes you wonder. Like, he, and, and the funny thing to me, too, is that he goes away this summer. He comes back in the preseason. You might remember like the first two games he had, I don't know, six or seven assists, and like which was way above his career average, which I think is like two. Uh, and everyone goes, oh, Avery spent the summer working on ball handling. And, and he's like, well, no, I just kind of want to be regarded as an offensive player. So I, I did a little bit of everything. My goal is to, to sort of be regarded as a two-way player. Well, if he puts up 31 points a night, it's going gonna to raise some eyebrows around the league. Uh, a good model for, for the younger players on this team. Uh, again, crazy that he's just—he's still 25 years old. He feels like he's been around forever. He's, he's the only guy who predates Brad Stevens. In rebounding too, he was—I can't believe it, how much better of a rebounder he is because that's what I was talking about earlier. That, we got to get into that, of course, is the rebounding on this team. Me and you have both have tremendous fears that that's going to be the big weakness on the team this year. He's been the—I oh, I said earlier that the Celtics don't have a plus rebounder for their position through three games, just three games, and I'm a little worried with Bradley because. Especially earlier in his career, he was a terrible rebounder. Say, oh well, yeah, he's a six-some <laughs> guard, but he was t- like atrocious. There, there were times he was. You look at the box score, numerous times, zero rebounds, one rebound. Oh yeah, I think is he their team leader in rebound? I don't have it up right now, but he may be. Oh yeah, uh, but, but, by like a landslide. Oh, yeah, that's I think he's good. at eight point. Eight, I see Al Horford's at five point three. Oh Jesus. Oh boy. Yeah, I, you know, and I, I think Amir is the the real trouble spot right now and and i i get it if, if the Celtics are really committing to this like big men got to box out and, and let the guards clean up you know the one thing that that real that, that that you know some people will sit there after saturday night's game and say well hey look they they they, they finally they, they took the challenge and rebounded strong uh that was and, after and getting think... punked the night before let's see them doing now right. on a night and night basis but, or not the night before but two nights ago they were humiliated on the glass on national tv so I, but they, they, it's but not... they didn't really dominate the, the glass last night like uh, the uh, the Hornets subscribe to Doc Rivers kind of f- toss it up and fall back theory, so they've rarely crashed. But when they did, they kept, typically either kept the ball alive or got a second chance opportunity. You know, I'm, I'm kind of surprised Clifford didn't kind of set his guys loose and say, "Hey, listen, this team can't rebound. Uh, go at the glass." Because I think you're going to see a lot of teams, like maybe not the Clippers, but you'll see every team in the league go just kind of unleash their dogs and let them go out the hoop because, hey, no one on the Celtics right now can stop anybody. I was going to bring that up as one of the things I was going to talk about. Of course, I discussed in the opening. I had two fears <laughs> I had two fears before the year uh, in terms of if, if, if they both did not go well, then I don't think they were going to hit that 60-win prediction that I, I mentioned last week that I know you, that I know, you know of. of. But that was rebounding and the bench play. We'll get into the bench play, obviously. That has shown not, not the – that isn't – had the best showing in these uh, three games, but rebounding in, in its own, they do only have one, not even a plus, a plus rebounder at their position. I, I'm yeah. stumped, Chris. Keep talking about how much I, it stinks. So uh, what I, what I thought was interesting was, and in, in foul trouble played into it, but you know they, they've kind of rolled Jordan Mickey in here a couple times, and I don't know if that's Brad sort of the wheels turning in his head like, listen, we got to develop a rebounder. We need someone who can, who can crash the glass here. 
and maybe find a way to weave him into the second unit because the rebounding's not getting any better. You're, it, when Kelly Olynyk's healthy, he's not, and an, he's a, a below average rebounder. And if at anything, best. that mitigates you know, Johnson to the bench. Who yeah, looks and, like he doesn't have anything left, at least from what I've seen in three games. You know what's funny though? I won't. I'm, I'm gonna, I'll be less. Uh, I won't be so quick to write off Amir because he had this same sort of couple of these stretches last year, and then he kind of like by the playoffs he was probably their best big. So you know, for whatever reason, it just takes him. He has these like lulls, and then he kind of kicks it into high gear. Uh, he looked decent enough in the preseason that I'm, I'm not overly concerned with him. Uh, but yeah, like you said, just coming into the season, you were worried about the rebound because Horford has certainly had a decline there through, through his career. Uh, Amir is just, you know, with the ankle injuries and has never been, uh, is sort of an elite rebounder, or at least he's slowed down. Uh, this can really put a lot of pressure on, on the guards to, 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 to kind of carry that torch. I want to say it was Marcus last year who, who had the same sort of stretch as Bradley here, where he all of a sudden he was just crashing the glass all the time. And I remember we were writing stories about it, like, oh, you know, the guards are going to have to do this. Uh, there's got to be a balance. The big's still got to got to do some work on the glass. You know, I, I hate to say it because I, I, I don't – I hesitate to give him too much credit. But it's true. Like, Jared Sollinger had one value to this team, and it was rebounding. And, you know, early in the season, you see that's the one area where Horford's addition is, is maybe a, a downgrade. And, you know, they're just going to have to figure out ways to do it. it, it, it and it goes back to – it's on the perimeter guys to not allow the penetration that causes the bigs to shift and all that. It, it's all hand in hand, but uh, they've got to be just better technically to, to to sort of shore that up. We do have to get into a little bit of positive discussion here because they are two and one. I, th- I would say actually after last night's game, a fairly impressive two and one. But since we are still on the topic, are you? I'm actually kind of willing to write off, and I talked about it on last week's show, I'm, I'm willing to write off, I think this is going to be a poor rebounding team, and there were times at the height of the Garnett years when the Celtics were one of the worst teams in the league, rebounding-wise, as we all remember, it pretty much cost them a championship back in 2010. Rebounding, I think, well, is, he, okay, sorry, I'll answer my question. No, 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 Chris, go ahead. I was going to say, I was just going to caution you there before we, it's the, the Rivers philosophy, though, because their offensive rebound percentage was so low. But the thing that that team was always very good on the defensive side. They were a very good side. rebounding now, team, though, in 2008 and 2009. They just exactly. once got knee, it, it went south. I can agree with that. Okay, but anyway, I was going to say, I, are you? I'm willing to write off rebounding. Are you kind of willing to write this off just real quick? I, no, because I think it's going to be an issue. I, I, I just can't, like... Oh, I know, I know, I know it is going to be an issue, but I, I don't think it's going to be something that will be rectified unless they actually make a move to address it. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. no. That, I'm willing to write agree. that off. So I think that's that's actually what okay. – in, in terms of – you know, it's, it's three – there's probably people listening saying, by God, it's been three games. You're freaking out, like, and the team's 2-1 <laughs> and one and everything. What I wanted to use this first week, and I would say even first few weeks for was and, – and I, and I discussed this a little earlier, and I'm not sure if you heard me on, on the other end there – is I had two fears coming into the season – I was highlighting those things to see how it, how everything would work out. Rebounding, right now, so far, not so good. I don't think it's going to get any better, as I said, unless, of course, they address it with a move. And the second one is bench play, which I felt was a little bit of a wild card because the reason it's a wild card is one of the things – the Celtics have incredible continuity on this team, but it's more so in the starting lineup, of course, with the addition of Al Horford, who has, seen, has fit in seamlessly except for the rebounding part. But the bench, especially as of now with Olenek and Smart both out, the bench is uh, totally uh, – it's brand spanking new. So we, so we don't know how <laughs> it is going to work out. I actually – I think this – I'm stating the obvious, but through three games, there have been, 
it has not played very well, particularly points in last night's game, and of course the disaster in the final few minutes against Brooklyn back on Wednesday. What was the lineup? It was like Rozier, Green, uh, Brown, Brown, uh, Drepko, and Zeller. Those Zeller, guys. yeah, yes. And I think they even played together last night, early in the second quarter as well. That got uh, Charlotte back in the game. I'll just sort of leave you. What's what's been your take? maybe on the bench going forward and then the bench thus far. Is that a wait-and-see type of thing, or is that a fear that you also have now? Yeah, no, it, it's fair to wait-and-see because you get your two best guys on the bench are, are not there right now. And so, but but you, isn't Olenek going to start? He's going to start, right, January, especially when you were doing the I, summer forecast. Yeah, so for sure. I think eventually that's, that, that has to be the plan because w- once we see Horford and Olenek on the floor together, it'll be so good that it'll make it obvious that it's easier to shift from here to the bench, limit his minutes, get him – better in bursts i think that's absolutely going to happen but like let's just say that amir stays in the starting lineup then you're missing two of your your best bench but your two your two best bench players and you know that's no no minor loss like you can understand why that group is struggling a little bit i think the one positive you, you gauge, i'll start with the positive you gauge that is you're getting jalen brown minutes you're getting terry rozier minutes like that will help down the road those guys still need that that time on the floor the problem right now is you can see Brad searching. You know, he rolls Jalen Brown out as as the first man off the bench. I think in the opening game, kind of goes small, and then comes back last night. Gerald Green's the first guy off the bench. I mean, he puts Zeller in there pretty early, probably because he was worried about rebounding. Um, you know, the, I I think he's just trying to find the right combinations, the right way to blend to sort of you know get through this stretch. But the thing I worry about is that. You know, even as you start to reintegrate Olenek and Smart, that's going to have some bumps. Those guys aren't going to just exactly hit the ground running after being on the shelf for a couple of weeks or in Olenek's case, Olenek's a couple almost months. a year. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so like it, 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 there's going to be some bumps there, and that's why we kind of knew like as good as the starters looked in the preseason, they're going to have to play really well through the first two months of this season. I mean, 20 of their first 34 on the road. There's some tough back-to-backs, including this week going to Cleveland. You know, the, it's going to be challenging to get sort of to the new year with the record looking maybe the way Celtics fans want it to look. If you're going to push 60 wins, they got to be really good. Like those starters got to be really, really good to get them through this first part of the year. I do think like when smart when smarts back, it's going to alleviate some of the uh, of this bench. Uh, the defensive lapses and maybe it'll improve your rebounding again. Maybe guys aren't getting into the lane as much. Um, I just don't think when we when we look at this team in uh, April, I don't think Tyler Zeller is going to be out there. I would hope that Jalen Brown would content, continue to develop, that Rozier would look even more comfortable. I think you know you can see the potential there. It, it's just not clicking together, and, and maybe we'll give them the benefit of the doubt that they need some time. Fortunately, though, the starters actually have been really, really good. And, of course, we're going to talk about that a little bit later. We are still on the topic of the bench. I just discussed it a little earlier. How do you feel Rogier and Smart are going to, are going to fit together? Because when they actually played together in the, pro, in the preseason, that wasn't the fit. And, of course, you could see why. And that was, I think, the, the lineup date actually had them as a net negative. But few games, I guess. But how do you think that's going to work out? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't. I don't really worry about it too much. Like people get all worked up about who's the point guard in that situation, and I just, I just don't think it matters. You know, even though you look at the it doesn't. I think, now, isn't that isn't that pretty much what's the whole? I think that's the whole key to the bench. 
Well, I, I mean, it certainly helps. But, I mean, if both guys can bring the ball up the court, then you take some of the pressure off each other. Like, listen, if Marcus stinks shooting the ball again, then, then you give, make him run the offense more. If, if, if Rozier continues to shoot as well as he did in the preseason, which he hasn't in the, in the early stages here, you know, maybe you give him the ball. I don't know. Like, you got to find the right mix. Like, even when Evan Turner got here, no one knew. I mean, Brad had an idea that he had to put the ball in his hands. But, you know, again, it took some time to, to figure out how that, that's going to, to, to best work. Um, I, I have confidence that that Brad will will figure that out. I would say on the scale of like things I'm worried about through the first three games, the bench is pretty low, and it's not to minimize it. I just think it it, it is like you said, it's like a new unit right now, and they've got to kind of figure each other out. And Jalen Brown looks like he's kind of not lost out there, but just running around trying to find to make sure he's in the right spots. And you got Mickey getting thrown in there after not playing for the first two games, really. And then now he's got he's getting some big minutes because of foul trouble. I I just think these guys have to settle in, and 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 I just don't think it's it's going to be a huge concern. And again, I mean Marcus, if, I know sixty wins is the hottest take I've heard, but I put Marcus Smart for my sixth man of the year because if the Celtics do push that number, then people are going to look at that team and say, okay, the starters were really good. That makes a lot of sense. But why was this team? You know, a sixty-win team, and it, it, it's going to be because the bench stabilizes. Bench is the, the bench, bench is wins. the key. Yeah, and so like if they if they want to get to that point, then Marcus has to be really good. Kelly has to be really good uh, before they move him to the starting lineup, and then uh, you know, the young, some of the younger guys just got to step up. And I, like Rozier's showed enough that I think I'm confident he's going to come around. We'll see if Jalen Brown can can continue. Like I'm really impressed on the early part. More contribution than I thought that than he, that he would have to this point. The bench is the key. I think if me and you now have agreed for pretty much the fifth time. I think rebounding is going to stink now. It is going to stink throughout the year. They cannot, if, with that being the case, the Celts cannot afford to have the bench stink as well. So the bench is pretty much going to be, I think, the difference in almost seven to eight wins. If the bench is average or even below average, they're pretty much in and around. Probably slightly, they're going to be better than last year, but... No, no more than you know, fifty-two, fifty. You know, we say that like it's like it's not a big deal, but no, nothing more than fifty-one, <laughs> fifty-two wins. But the bench is going to be driving this team to be high fifties, challenging Cleveland for the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Of course, pending, I think if Cle- they're, I think they're also going to take their foot off the gas pedal as they normally do. Uh, before we shift, talk about what is working out, and there's been plenty that has worked out. They got a very nice road win last night in Charlotte. I think we're really underselling that win. But has there been anything through these first three games that has not worked out, either individually, team aspect-wise, that you are not worried about whatsoever? Uh, besides, besides the bench as a whole, like individually, I think you can look at guys on the bench and say, you know, I think Rozier hasn't been as strong as, as we saw in the preseason. But that was, was going to be mine that, as well. That, you stole that. You me. know, I, I just, I just, I just, I, just, I don't, I, I'm not worried about it though because I think I, I've seen enough of the sample, and I know summer league probably shouldn't count for as much, but he showed it in the preseason. He was really good in camp. I mean, yet every every couple of days, Horford would be like, "Man, where where did this guy come from?" Like when I signed with this roster, I knew we had depth, but I didn't know Terry Rozier was going to step up and be, you know, maybe your your second best backup guard. And uh, I think he'll figure it out. I think he's, you know, probably just like the rest of the guys, they're pressing a little bit, trying to knowing how bad the the, the bench has played. Um, I, uh, you know, backup big is a little bit of a concern, but Olenek will will help that. I'm trying to think like what else I I, I don't like about the team. I like three point shooting. I hate to be super positive. The ball but... is going in the basket. The ball <laughs> yeah, is like, going in the basket. It's a little jarring, right? <laughs> Uh, I, I'll, I'll say this: the defense overall, even with the first unit, 
Um, when you, I, I know the Nets are probably going to be a little bit sneaky, better, or more competitive. Play I don't know hard early in the year. Let's see wins. how hard these guys play come January. I, I, I'm worried that uh, that the offense is going to be so good for Boston at times, or at least better. You know, like you think about the past couple of seasons, they've really had to work to get points because their shooting has been so terrible. And that's made them have to focus really hard on defense because they have to win games uh, 92, 89, or 89, 80s, whatever they had to do. But now you're putting up 115 points. I think there's just this natural tendency to maybe downshift a little bit. And I look at it with Bradley. Like Bradley's defensive numbers for the first three games haven't been very good. In fact, they're, they're kind of an eyesore. And, you know, I, I just think uh, Brad even talked about it coming into the season. Like everyone's saying, oh, well, you guys could be the number one defense. And he's like, well, we got to go out there and do it. Because just because they were good last year doesn't mean that they're going to come on the floor this year and, and be good. And so again, the same deal. Like bench has got to be bench is the number one reason they'll they'll push towards you know mid fifty high mid fifties high fifty wins whatever you want to get them to. But I think the defense really has to at some point just sort of take over and win you games and step up in big situations. And that hasn't happened yet because of the offense has been so good. So I, I'd like to just see them really commit to being a great defensive team, even if it means not putting up 115 points, 120 points a night. Uh, because I just think if, if, in the, if, if we've seen anything in the history of the league, it's that defense matters so much more, especially when, when they get to April and beyond. Great minds think alike. Chris, hang in there. I'm actually going to break for a brief bit here. You're listening to Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio. We're here with Chris Forsberg, backed after a brief word. Episode number 181 of Celtics Beat is brought to you by Indochino. Instead of wasting your money on a generic off-the-rack suit that doesn't fit, visit Indochino to get a custom made-to-measure suit at a great deal. Listeners in the Boston area can visit their showroom at 85 Newberry Street in the Back Bay and pick from dozens of fabric colors and patterns. I've been in the showroom myself, and let me tell you, those guys will treat you right I got all my measurements done in the showroom in less than 10 minutes with my style guide, Jake, and now I'm good to go. The amount of fabrics and designs and colors unmatched, so anything you pick will have you feeling good and looking even better. This week, our listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for just $389 when you mention the code CELTICS at the Boston Indochino showroom. That's an $800 made-to-measure suit for just $389 that is over 50% off. Indochino.com to book your appointment at their Boston showroom and get any premium suit for just $389 when you mention the code CELTICS. You won't beat this deal anywhere. Again, Indochino.com to book your appointment at the Boston showroom. Any premium suit for just $389 when you mention the code CELTICS. Okay, we are back with Chris Forsberg, Celtics beat reporter for ESPN. We were all over the place there at the end there, Chris, before we went into a break. So why don't we just start off, we started off the prior, when we got you on, we were a little negative. Let's start off now on a good note. They are 2-1. They got a very, very good win last night in Charlotte against, a, I think, a decent Charlotte Hornets team that were playing their home opener that had a raucous mm-hmm. crowd to open the game. So... <laughs> What's been encouraging this far? We know what it is, but it's sort of an open-ended question for you to take the floor. Yeah, I mean, like, it, we're obviously going with shooting. Like, the, seeing the ball go in the basket routinely from beyond the three-point arc, for, for Avery Bradley to be shooting 66.7%, it's, it's like, I know it's not sustainable, but it's just really fun. And I, I think 
the the number one thing I go back to when I watch this team earlier in the year is one Isaiah going at the basket has been phenomenal and that's encouraging to see and I know he got knocked on his tailbone again sort of at the end of that Charlotte game and that'll be something to watch like he's going to end up taking some hard hits if he's if he's going to continue to drive that hard at the basket but he's been great finishing uh, Horford when in in the pick and roll and the little pocket passes or kicking it when 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 Horford takes the the pick and roll pass and then dishes to an open guy in the corner you know just like you said it, it earlier the Horford effect is really going to open up this offense. It's going to generate them more open looks. They can run so looks. many offensive sets now. Their offense became infinitely more versatile. It's it's just so much. It's fun. It's beautiful basketball at times. Like when they're really sharing the ball or when they're throwing it across the court for open looks. Uh, it, it's again, it's it's jarring in the same way that it's jarring when Jalen Brown elevates for a dunk because no Celtic has. You know the Celtics have been glued to the floor for the past couple seasons. It's jarring when the Celtics have this like beautiful ball movement that results in threes, and it, it's not just like uh, a one-time thing. They like they routinely do that. Uh, that just it's really fun to watch, and you know I, I'm sure the nat- national perspective will be to look at this team and, and they'll look at Horford's stat line, which probably won't ever jump off the page. No, and he'll be like, like hey. eleven and five in the opener. Yeah, He's averaging like, five rebounds a game. And it's funny, too, we're talking about the outside shooting, and it seems like Horford's had a, a greater effect just in, in terms of being able to spread the floor. He's only shooting 29% from three, but it still seems like you have to vaguely respect him in some capacity. No, I mean, there is a lot there. I think also, too, we're seeing this great ball movement, and it is actually – you usually don't just look at assists and say, oh, okay. but right. I think what are the, they are fifth in the league in assists, I believe, uh, Right about uh, right now, I think they have just uh, through three games. But I talked about a little. Where they, oh my god! Yeah, opening night where they, they they assisted on like seventy five percent of their makes, which is absurd. Like you know, they have high assist totals last season, but nothing like they. You know, that's a. That's this a, is where that's a this is where the continuity is key, uh, is is key in that this team is pretty much uh, these players, especially Thomas Crowder, Bradley, and Horford, is just. We we hate using this adverb, which we've we've used so many times, and, and Rich Gotham was here a few, uh, I think last week actually, he used it as well. He has seamlessly fit in. Uh, but that continu- I'm guilty of using that every yeah. single time I write about him. But. <laughs> but that continuity, I think, is a major advantage that the Celtics have, I think, over other teams. It's why the, the ball movement has been so good. And I think it's why this starting unit has been as dominant as it has been. And yes, they say, well, once again, like when you're talking about, well, when you're freaking out about the rebounding, you say, oh, it's been only three games. The starting unit has been dominant. But I, I, the light bulb went off for me in regards to the starting unit. There was a game in Charlotte in the preseason when they threw mm-hmm. up 40 on them and they outscored them by like 20 some points in the quarter. And that was a third quarter, which is sort of like the third, you know, the third preseason game in the NFL when you play all your starters. They play as hard as possible. When I saw the Celtics starting unit go down to Charlotte against the playoff team and just be slap the, the Hornets starters, <laughs> and then there are other various times during the preseason, especially in third quarters. Now here we are, these first three games. The starting unit looks like it's just going to be, I think, probably a top. Eight or nine five-man unit when it's all said and done. I haven't oh, checked yeah. stats.nba.com yet. Now, maybe even top five. The starting unit looks like it is going to outscore a lot. And teams. so, the, and, and and so we'll we'll roll it this way. Like the Celtics starters are going to be really good, and then so you get Marcus back. Now you can roll him in 
there's the first guy off the bench, sub out Amir. That sub lineup should be really, really good because you got the. They love going small. They love the three guards. You're you're going to be able to spread the floor. I can imagine a scenario where so even if Amir's in the starting lineup, you got Kelly coming in shortly after that, really spacing things out. I was going to um, say Kelly Olynyk in that starting five, replacing Amir Johnson. Look at the shooting that you have. Ooh, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm. Do you then put Al Horford down in the block? Do you then put Al Horford down in the block and have him be like an, an Akeem Olajuwon? Uh, Dwight Howard circa 2009, draw a double team and then just swing it around to the open three-point shooter. He could do something like that. I'm not sure Horford at this point of his career, while he's a very good post player, warrants a double team down in the post, but I think that is a possibility. I mean, Horford <laughs> yeah, one-on-one against a lot of bigs down in the blocks as a matchup I'd take any day. Yeah, he's got a lot of those quick moves too where you see him spin and throw it off the glass. Like I'm, I'm all for that too. Um, man, it's, it's just it, – I, I hate to – you know, it's funny we started so negative, but we've been so super positive since then. I just do think I agree. There's a, the first three games. There's a lot of positives to take from there. You know, even if you're just looking at the record, that's a tough game going into sh- to Chicago on their opening night. Dwayne Celtics never win there. Sh- I think they have one win yeah. the last five years, two wins in the new decade, or something like that. I, I would love to see you. the Celtics record in Chicago since 1990. I feel like I can remember <laughs> all of their wins, which is not good. Uh, not good. And, and then, like you said, that Charlotte game is more difficult than people think. Anytime you go into someone's season opener or home opener, it's, it, it's a, it's a, a tough place team, to play. It's a decent team. I mean, they're, not, they're a decent team. I'm, I can't believe we're this optimistic. Like, I wanted to come on here and rag on you so bad about that 60-win prediction, and I don't think they're going to get that high. Yeah, but I, I, can't un- I'm I, I can't unequivocally right now like, after, after, after talking about how I had two fears for the season – was rebounding and bench, and that is the one thing you can say about these first three games is the bench and especially the rebounding has – That's those have been the two down points where you can point out and just say, Ugh. it's like when we were talking about Terry Rogier. He hasn't played great thus far. I think he made a few shots last night. But I'm, I'm sort of with you in the sense of, hey, hey, you know, it's been three games. He, had, he played well at the end of the year last year. He played well in summer league. He played well in camp. He played well in preseason. Now it's been three games. The, these two aspects of basketball were concerns that we had, and now they're playing out of the course of three games. Where we're worried that they may not be a fluke, whereas Rozier's play may well be a fluke. So that's why there is. <laughs> it's 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 actually it's amazing that I think a lot of what we predicted. And sorry to keep running all over you here, Chris, but that's what I do no, on no. my show. It's that's amazing show. that uh, <laughs> what the fears were before the season, rebounding and bench play. And what we what we thought we were excited about before the year, maybe not defense has been, hasn't been number one in the league, comma yet. But the starting five, it's actually played out perfectly in these three games. It's actually gone according to script. <laughs> it's, it's almost jarring. It feels like we should have something new and, and, and to, to scream about, but we don't. It's like it, just like you said. It's just sort of this is what we this is they are who we thought they are. And, uh, you know, the one thing I did think was that we'd be sitting here a couple games in and, and it'd really be the, man, we missed Evan Turner party going on, like, and maybe we'll eventually get to that point. But this team has been okay, like, getting through without him. And, again, the bench hasn't obviously has been a weak spot, but I think there's enough optimism that they'll eventually get to a point. Um, I thought that we'd really be sitting here saying, man, you know, you're missing Evan with that the, the stabilizing force and the, his fourth quarter shooting. No, they got enough talent, I think, to, to sort of get through this, and uh, maybe they won't miss him quite as much once they uh, once they get that bench together a bit. So, for fun, hypothetically, let's say this team can make a move after mid December, and here we're already talking about trades three games into the wow. year. But save for the 
oh, I would love to see the Celtics get LeBron or Anthony Davis. Uh, Save for that. What do you think is the number one priority for this team to address? Because I actually think this is a team that could compete for the Eastern Conference Championship, and I actually say that because, God forbid, they are a LeBron James injury away from being in the NBA Finals. I really can say that. Um, what I mean, There's only so many pieces I think they could move. Sort of like baseball, like going and trying to, quote-unquote, show up your bullpen. If this team had to attack sort of some aspect or some facet of basketball, what would you like to see them address? You know, it's funny because I feel like for the past 100 years, we've always said, like, add some three-point shooting off the bench or – um, you know, I, I guess at this point, I just lean towards, uh, you know, somebody who can come in and consistently rebound. And I don't, that doesn't necessarily have to be like a pure big, but, you know, go find someone who's, who, who's an above average rebounder at the power forward position. Someone who you can just throw in there with the second unit. So you don't ever have to lean on, on Zeller, um, which I'm going to hold you to. You did, you, you was, were pretty uh, high on Tyler. Yeah. You were really high on Tyler Zeller. Look good after game one. Were... <laughs> Look good after Look... game one. <laughs> And I, you can't unequivocally rule out that if, if they can develop, you know, if they get Marcus back and, and they start running some more pick and rolls on, with with Rozier, get more comfortable, uh, that Zeller couldn't thrive on, on the second situations. unit. It is that back yeah. power forward slot because I think Olenek eventually goes to the starting unit as a center. Jarepko and Amir Johnson. I know Jarepko had you know moments against the Hawks, but we have two. He was that's the lasting image of is Jonas Jarepko playing against Atlanta in the playoffs. Still didn't have the best year last year. I know he, he always always looks good in the plus-minus in the box score at times, especially last year. But it is that backup forward slot. I'm, I'm totally with you, and it's amazing how much we are agreeing. If there is, <laughs> I don't want to say his name has probably been traded to the Celtics. I want to say north of a million times in Internet communities. That's Reggie Evans. I think we could do a little bit better than that. Is he in the league this year? Uh, I, I don't even know, but it seems it's <laughs> right. sign Reggie Evans but, but, to the league minimum, trade this guy for him, or, or the guy out there in, absolute, in Denver for Reed. But that's it absolutely is the guy I'm, what, I would think of. Like, you know what, it is they need they, his exact skill set. Yeah, they, a little more versatile than that, uh, of course. But it is they need that backup power forward, a real plus rebounder at that position, and then also someone who isn't a complete, uh, just a disaster on all ends of the like, free throw shooting the way Evans is. But... Someone along those lines, that backup four, move Jarepko and Amir to the pretty much the tail end of the bench, situational guys. Whoa, open. whoa, whoa, whoa. You're telling the president of the Jonas Jarepko fan club here. Like, they still need his energy guy. Uh, All right, hey, energy the, guy. Lawrence floor. Funderburg for the 2002 Kings. Throw him in there five minutes, come at the beginning of a second quarter and, and spark a team every other third game. I agree, but... Uh, 15 to 20 minutes of a game, or maybe even more, especially if the team is struggling mightily as they did on Thursday night rebounding the basketball. Uh, I think that is the one thing is that backup four. So here, here's our – and again, I'm, I'm just totally weird about And if about you're asking who so to trade for, my, my answer is I don't know. Danny, you go figure it out, kid. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, me, me neither. I need to watch more of the, around the league to figure out who's available, and, and you know, no one's available at this point because teams love their guys, but that will change quickly. Uh Here's the, my my one other concern. You know, as 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 deep as we like to think this team is, like what one of those starters gets injured and things get dicey really quickly. I'm worried about again, that too. Especially, I'm interrupting you again on on quote unquote my show, and this was because I was I was I wanted to ask you this. Avery Bradley, the minutes that he's been playing, 36, 34, 41, injury prone guy as is, and he's pretty much a two way player. He they, he was up against Kemba Walker last night. He was guarding Dwayne Wade the other night. It isn't like he's coasting on the defensive end of the court. He's supposedly the guy who wants to win defensive player sure. of the year this year. Are you a little slightly worried about the minutes that he's being played? 
And especially as we get later in the year, they have 20 or 34 games on the road, as you mentioned. They have most of their back-to-backs at the beginning of the year, especially in November. There's a lot of games on Saturdays, uh, might I add. Is that something that you're slightly concerned about? And something that <laughs> oh, you're not. You're laughing at me. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just no, I, I know go Saturday ahead. games are tough for you. Saturday games are tough for they you. They are. Uh, but you know but, I but no, I, I I do agree. Like I, I can't I can't get worked up about minutes because I think I, I probably skew to the other side of the of the of the spectrum where you know sometimes I think Brad needs to lean on these guys a little bit harder. And I think not that he that he babies them, that, but that. Uh, he definitely likes to keep minute totals low, and there's something to be said for when you're, when you're, like you said, playing a lot of back-to-backs, and especially early in the year. You don't want to wear these guys down. It's a long season, and, and they, they certainly go out of their way to make sure uh, these guys stay upright. Uh, I don't know if Bradley's the, 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 the guy I'd be worried about. I think you know there is something to be said for Isaiah playing a ton of minutes and getting knocked down, and, and, and you know he, it, 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 it's rougher out there for him than necessarily like Avery, who's just – taking a lot of those three pointers from the wing and you know defensively he gets into it more but uh you know i i think i think it's guys like crowder and guys like thomas that i'm a little bit more worried about in terms of bigger minutes but uh especially this early in the season especially again when i'm, when I'm looking at that roster no one over 30 um al's the closest thing i think but in this the mirror. team broke down at the end of the year last year yeah, injuries. but like Bradley's thing was a fluky thing. I, oh, Crowder's I totally thing was disagree a fluky with that. Thing. I thought that was a use injury. Really? Yes. It happened well, I mean, contact. I guess I, it was a non-contact injury. His hamstring just gave way. There was yeah, nothing left. But I'd, ha- I'd have to go back and look at his minute total. Crowder to, was to, not. To, to, uh, Crowder, while it happened, was a fluky thing. It was, he landed on the wrong ankle. I thought he came back too soon. He was never the same player in the playoffs. Yeah, no, that that was definitely a, a mistake on their part, and I don't know why they rushed him so much with that. And but probably that's part of the that's all. And Olenek, I and, would say they mismanaged Olenek. That's the reason why he's not available yeah. right now. Yeah, Olenek's a weird situation. Celtics for me. medical I, like, staff, strength and conditioning staff stinks. That's what I'm trying to say in Latin to you. See, I, I don't, I don't, I, I just don't know. I, I haven't been able to connect those those dots. I think that, that from a, from a thousand yard view, I think they do a really good job with them. I think. They've brought in a lot of guys, the sports science guys, to try to figure these things out. I think every team in the league is. I look at the the you know there's a there's a great blog in streetclothes.com or something where former USA Today guy does uh, injury tracking. And the Celtics were really on the low side. I mean, more so than in, in in especially during the big three years. Now I understand like their injuries came at the absolute yeah, wrong the time. time. <laughs> exactly. But, I think that's all that matters. Yeah, you know, like the, that Crowder goes down at the end of the season. That costs them wins. That costs them playoff seeding. And then Avery goes down. And as Avery showed last night, we undervalue what he brings. Uh, you know, that, that's just a bad situation. So there's definitely something to be said to kind of bring it full circle to, to managing guys early in the year so that you don't hit that sort of uh, wall at the end of the year or have the, the, the propensity for, for injuries. Just don't know if it's a, if it's a huge concern to me now. Um, but yeah, you know they've 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 certainly got to make sure they keep this team upright because one injury and, and things get dicey. Oh, and, and Olenek. So here's the thing with Olenek. You, I, I I don't know like what's it's just such a weird situation. Like you could tell in the playoffs he had no interest in in being out there. That he thought his shoulder was really hurt. That it had no strength. And they felt like they put him in a little bit of a bad position. Uh, he like did media every single day talking about whether he had to play. And I think mentally that's tough when a guy is just like. You know, he, when he knows he shouldn't be out there and he's talking and, and everyone's kind of pressuring him, like, are you going to be back? Are you going to be back? Um, and then they waited because, you know, he wanted to do the Olympic thing and, 
that's really a big deal for him with Team Canada. So I felt like they waited on the surgery, and now that pushed him into the seat. I, I definitely think there was some missteps on both sides there. And now they're saying like mid-November for Kelly, but every time we talk to him, he keeps saying, oh, you know, I want to get more strength in there so it doesn't happen again. I, they just need to really get on the same page with, with, with each other there and, and make sure they're, they bring him back at the right time. Yeah, I am still slightly concerned. That's what I said in the open. I just, I just hope for 80% of what they got out of him in January and February. I don't think he's just seamlessly going to fit back in because I thought it just doesn't say, right. It does not sound entirely correct. And I did talk with someone inside the front office over the summer about Olenek. How's he doing? And it was, yeah, you know what? The doctors are saying this. So uh, that's sketchy. Okay, so we're pretty much almost out of time here, Chris. But best way to wrap this thing up the Celtics are off until Wednesday, early season revenge game against Chicago. And then they are uh, the next night. They're in Cleveland on TNT, and that's it for the week. So just two games this week: Wednesday, Thursday. I think this is an easy question prediction for the week, and I think this is an easy answer. For some reason, I think you're going to agree with me once again. One and one. Yeah, one and one. Let me guess: that win is against Chicago on Wednesday night. You know, I don't know. You can always, you can, you know, what what a great way for this team to to finally get some national attention would be to go into go into Cleveland and find a way to win that game and. Uh, a city hungover from a potential World Series victory, and uh, maybe uh, maybe make maybe make some noise. I, I, I do think it, it's the opposite that they'll probably win that Chicago game. Uh, there's no way Chicago shoots as well as they did. Celtics back at home, a couple days off. That game should be a win. And that's a national game too on ESPN, yep. so that'll give them a little chance to to bump into the spotlight. You know, I just I, for for the sake of the Celtics, I hope they put on a good showing. Like it would be really bad for them to go into Cleveland and lose by 20 points and everyone would sit there and say, eh, same old Celtics, you know, they, they look a little bit better, but they can't compete. And not necessarily that even competing or winning that game would, would turn the tide because they won there last year and it didn't exactly like send them off the, uh, uh into a, a, a the, the national spotlight. But, um, I just, I just hope they show well up there and kind of get people excited about the potential for those two teams seeing each other in the playoffs. Chris Forsberg, Celtics beat reporter for ESPN. You can follow Chris on Twitter at ESPN Forsberg. Boom. Thanks for doing this again, man. Thanks, man. We agreed way too much. Okay, so there we go. We made it. I uh, want to thank Chris once again. Yes, one of our most reliable guys in the bullpen who we can go to. Oh, he's one of our everyday Eddies, uh, and he can get us out of that seventh inning jam. You do hear a lot of Chris here, but Chris is hes a good friend of CLNS Radio, appearing not just on Celtics Beat frequently, but of course, Celtics Stuff Live, which uh, airing tomorrow, 9 a.m. Eastern time per usual. Also mentioned earlier, the Celtics Newsfeed podcast talked about how the pregame show is is on that this year. Search Celtics Newsfeed on iTunes, Stitcher, and of course, the easiest way, the free CLNS Radio mobile podcast app. Uh, Celtics Newsfeed will have daily news and notes pods, uh, recaps of the games, the pregame shows, real-time breaking news and analysis, all quick three- to five-minute podcasts. It's like an audio version of your newspaper, or of course, if you're, if you're reading online and looking at your iPad, Allows you to multitask. It's all in real time. It's updated numerous times throughout the day. Definitely, you will not be disappointed. Again, Celtics news feed on iTunes and Stitcher. Obviously, the CLNS radio mobile app. I'm on it. Justin Poulin. He's going to be on it. Jared Rice. You'll likely hear Chris Forsberg on it. We're very excited about this this new edition of CLNS radio this year. Uh, so, so definitely, I would strongly suggest you, you would not be disappointed in that. 
Other programming notes, Real GM Radio with Danny LaRue. New show, I believe, is releasing this Tuesday, so two days from now if you're listening to the show on Sunday, one day from now if you're listening to tomorrow, or on this very day if you're listening to Celtics Beat on Tuesday. But new Real GM Radio on the CLS Radio mobile app on Tuesday. Celtics postgame show, that I know you know of by now, live after every single Celtics game on clnsradio.com and select games on ESPN New Hampshire, 900-1250 a.m. up at the Grand Estate. On-demand listening on the CLNS Radio mobile app. If you want to call in after Wednesday's game against Chicago, hopefully to bask in a big Celtics win to move the team to 3-1 before an early season bar burner against Cleveland the next night. Call in number 347-215-7771, 347-215-7771. Or again, listen live on clnsradio.com or on-demand on the mobile app. Of course, the most riveting Celtics analysis of all, Sullivan James Sullivan. He has been released from Walpole for the time being. You never know when he may get tossed back in the can or when his heart just stops beating. So uh, take advantage of him when you can. He released a show this past week with white hot takes on the eve of the Celtics season. Scorching Shamrocks podcast. Word of advice, never take Sully for granted. We never know when he may no longer be with us. That is not an exaggeration from the little of I've gotten to know him. Believe me, he's teetering on the edge. And lastly, of course, it is Sunday. It is the fall NFL football. Patriots at Bills, 1 p.m. kickoff. Post-game show goes live immediately following the game. Call on number 929-477-2386. 929-477-2386. I do like the Patriots' chances today, although I think much closer than people are anticipating. They are just five-point favorites. I smell a rat there. I would not be surprised to see Brady throw a couple picks to keep Buffalo in the game. Uh, but programming done. Now time to wrap this one up entirely. Credit time. Music for the show was provided by Will Rock and Steph Legratto. Be sure to follow us on social media. Twitter handle is at Celtics underscore beat. I am at CLNS underscore LHR. And you can like Celtics beat on CLNS radio on Facebook to keep up with the show. Of course, get updates if there's a late release like today. Let's thank our guest, Chris Forsberg, as well as our sponsors, Indochino. Mention Celtics at 85 Newberry Street for 50% off your first suit. Movement Watches, MVMTWatches.com slash Celtics Beat for 15% off your first watch with free shipping and free returns. Audible, Audible.com slash Try Now for a free audiobook along with a 30-day trial period. American Farmers Network for making this all possible. Big thanks to our audience for making this show the number one podcast on the web dedicated to the NBA's franchise week in and week out. One more time, subscribe, rate, and review Celtics Beat on iTunes for free entry to win two tickets to see the Celtics take on the Pistons on November 30th in Boston. For staff writer Eddie Santiago, the founder of the network, Nick Jelson, myself, the executive producer and host, I'm Larry H. Russell. See you next Sunday for another edition of Celtics Beat, powered by CLNS Radio.